If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the new, I guess, could we say improved version of the Nasty Cast. It's certainly not the same. I, I don't know which way you want to take that either way. And that is because Nasty Cast founder Nathan Dawkins has moved on. He has gone to what he would call greener pastures. I would say that he is the traitor Benedict Arnold. And if we <laughs> catch him, we should tar and feather him. No, of course not. Uh, Nate got a great opportunity. He took it. And we are still here. We're still going to provide some fun stuff. We'll get into that a little bit more later. I'm Van Lee, though. And alongside me is, of course, Ron Rigney returning. Ron, how are you? I'm good, man. You know, we've been absent for a couple of weeks. And, you know, best wishes to Nate. And he's kind of thriving over at Rota Fanatic, or as he said, Rota Fanatics, however you want to call it, at the Walmarts. <laughs> and and so he's doing well over there, but he's entrusted us with this thing that, that, that we have here. So we're, we're lucky for that. And and I, I was trying to think of, you know, the last couple of weeks we've taken off and we, we decided to come back today. And I think it's and I think the stars are aligning. I think that everything is is working in synergy. And I asked you off air if you know what today is. Today happens to be the 90th birthday of one Sean Connery. Ooh. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, we, what, what a day to come back, you know, doing this again on the 90th birthday of one of the greatest humans to ever walk the planet, Mr. Sean Connery. So, happy birthday, Sean Connery, because I'm sure he's listening. What, oh, what else would he be doing? Yeah. He's certainly not watching Dragonheart again, where he said the line, <laughs> You're the man now, dog which is one of my favorite lines of all time. Not only it's is it his birthday, it's his 90th. That is yes. uh, that is a goalpost that you reach. And here's <laughs> to 10 more for uh, the very surly and honestly, I thought dead Sean Connery, but clearly he's not. It's his 90th birthday. And uh, that's good. My third favorite Bond. How about you? Uh, I would say he's probably, I'd say he's probably my number two. My number, my number two, I go Roger Moore and then Sean Connery. I'm yes, that is the correct answer, and I think I'll change mine to that. I had Pierce Brosnan up there, not because Pierce Brosnan was a great Bond, but because he was part of Goldeneye. And Goldeneye I was going to say, yeah, that, my childhood. Well, honestly, and, and I great. saw, and I think that I saw either yesterday or today that was released over the last couple of days. Might have been today, like I want to say, like twenty-seven years ago, something like that. So man, have to look at that again. So there again. It's all coming together now. Interesting. Yeah, and in GoldenEye 64, Alec Trevelyan, the bad guy, Sean Bean, the actor, of course, was my go-to character. Did you have a go-to character for GoldenEye? Were you the guy who took odd job every time? <laughs> um, I, I, You could play as, um, what's the guy with the teeth? Jaws. Yeah, you could play as yeah. Jaws, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah he was yeah, taller he's, than he's, everyone else. Yeah, right. He's my all-time favorite Bond character, so I'm sure I went with him more, more than, than anybody else. Actor Richard Keel. 
It's amazing okay. that I know that, but I happen okay. to actually know that. Well, anyway, yeah. this is a fantasy baseball podcast, so we're going to talk some fantasy baseball. We'll also, like I said, talk about where we're going with the show, what we're going to be doing uh, in the, the immediate future. But first, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. If you need to follow us all on Twitter, you can find us at NastyCastPod, at Manly Van Lee, which is myself, and of course, at the Real Maday, M-A-D-A-Y. That is our boy, Ron, over there. And you know what? Just for old time's sakes, follow at Nathan Dawkins as well. Tell him, hey, keep doing a great job there at Roto Fanatics. People keep thinking I'm going to be mean, but I'm not because I'm on Nate's side. Uh, if you'd rather email us, you can also reach us at nasty tracks pods at gmail.com. And you can support the show, of course, by leaving a, a review on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcasting app is. iTunes is probably the best because that's what gets the most ears and that's the one most people put reviews on. So go do that, even though it's just Ron and I talk about how great Ron and I are. And then finally, if you think we're doing a fantastic job, a fantastic job even, you can head on over to patreon.com slash nastypod. Give us a buck a month or more, preferably more, but whatever, I'll take it. And you will have access to our Slack channel where I will... Be getting back into it. Uh, to the guys on Slack, I, I these last two weeks, I really took off. So I'm excited to get back into that talk to you guys. You can reach Ron and I there. Nate's, of course, there. Eric Cross from Fantrax, et cetera. So definitely head on over to patreon.com and give us some support. If you don't mind, it is not free to run a podcast. And it costs me money to use software, to upgrade, to have subscriptions and everything. And we appreciate it. All right. But... Before we get into the baseball talk, let's go ahead and discuss what we plan to do with the podcast going forward. Of course, Nate was a founder of the Nasty Cast. It was Nate, Jesse, and uh, ooh, why did I just blank on his name? Joe uh, oh. originally founded the show, and they did an awesome job. I was a guest for a while. Eventually, Joe and Jesse had to to leave, so Nate asked uh, myself and Nate uh, something Miller. to do it. Miller, hey, Miller. Miller's a great guy. Uh, Miller did it for a while. Didn't work out. He had to change his schedule. Something about a baby. And they said, you know what? I only have one baby. I know someone who has a dozen. His name's Ron Rigney. And Ron Rigney joined the show. And it was a great, well, like two, three years we've been like this. Yeah, it's been a while. It's wild. Uh, Nate got an opportunity. He took it. And I completely am appreciative of everything Nate has done for me for the show, for the show, for you, for all of us. And he will have a special place here and uh, he just entrusted us with everything. So I, I when we, this originally happened, we chatted a bit and said, you know, are we going to continue? What are we going to do? And ultimately, we have quite a hearty following of this podcast. Having been in a position where I got to see numbers, raw numbers of who draws what, what shows do what, we do really good numbers. Uh, we've been around for many, many years. And I think if that many people are waiting and uh wanting to hear what we have to say about fantasy baseball. I think it's important enough to continue the tradition. Uh, I don't know what that means as far as maybe getting another co-host means, but for now, Ron and I have essentially decided to just keep going. I mean, we're going to put out a show talking about a little bit of baseball. This year's kind of a, a cluster, if you will. So I'm not going to get too crazy with that, but we want to keep everyone updated with, you know, the best redraft league advice that we can come up with. Uh, I, I hope we have, you know, a really great series of shows here for you, and we're going to do our damnedest to do it. Uh, but, Ron, how, how do you feel going forward? I feel good. I, I think we're at a good place. Like you said, you know, I appreciate the the amount of people that will tune in and listen to us. 
uh, knuckleheads talk about fantasy baseball and video games and, and whatever random crazy things are going on, you know, whether it be, you know, you walking into gas stations and, and, <laughs> and having stories from that or myself, you know, uh, wrestling alligators in my backyard or having cockroaches chase me around, whatever it may be. We appreciate the fact that you guys enjoy what we do. And we're going to try to keep it rolling along as as the best we can. I don't think that it's going to be the same blueprint the whole time, and and I don't think it should be. You know, we're going to keep it going this season and 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 beyond. You know, like you said, man, maybe in the off season you might see some changes here and there. But for the time being, we're going to keep this thing rolling. We're going to we're everybody just kind of moving over a chair, I guess. And and who knows? Maybe we'll have some guests. Maybe we'll bring somebody in the fold. Who knows? We'll see. A lot of ways we'll we can go with this. And, you know, the problem with giving me more power means it becomes more like a product of mine, which means you're probably going to have to listen to more stupid noises. Uh, but that's that's a product with, that comes with the territory, and I think most people are used to it. Last little piece of news here. We are no longer with fan tracks, and that is that sounds more dastardly than it really is because, to be honest, we're still being hosted on the fan track site. I'm still doing my fan tracks job where I... Uh, upload shows and work with the different podcast hosts and so on and so forth. I will be leaving that position, but again, it's an amicable split. So it will be a while until we find a replacement. I'll be sticking around till then. And in short, this was again, a very amicable split and we wish fan tracks the best and I'm sure they wish us the best and we will still promote their product because I do think they're the best fantasy baseball product out there, to be honest. And uh, it just means we're going to be on our own as far as uh, teamwork and advertising, maybe some other things. And that's a good thing for us in the long run. I'm going to be creating my own network on Spreaker, which I've done, where this will be hosted. For you, the listener, nothing changes. It will be exactly the same. It's the same feed. You'll hear everything exactly the same way you did. But for me on the back end, it'll mean a little more money in my pocket as well as uh, maybe some growth opportunities for us. So that's just... Little heads up, no longer part of the fan tracks crew. You've, you'll still see some logos here and there because I haven't changed anything over, but uh, no big deal. I'm more than happy to provide them any sort of advertisement I can, and and we'll go forward from there. Uh, Ron, well, you're real, still real writing quick, for fan tracks, though, right? I'll say, yeah, shameless plug. You can still catch my stuff over on the NFL Dynasty side. Um, actually, last week we had the uh, Kings Classic, the big NFL uh, fantasy draft that we usually have at the Hall of Fame course, You know, like everything else this year. Things are a little wonky, so we did that online. We added a division. We've got people from all over the world now in this thing, from Brazil, South Africa, the U.K. So a lot of fun getting that uh, going last Saturday, and it kind of it went off without a hit. Shout out to Bob Lung and, and Brad Evans for putting that together. But the, where this all ties in is I did a breakdown of uh, each, each division draft. Say, we do a snake draft. We do an auction draft. I did a piece where I broke down my uh, snake team. So if you want to know how I did in the Kings Classic in the George Blanda division, you can check it out over at Fantrax. And then next week, I'm going to do a breakdown of my auction team as well. Excellent stuff. Yeah, definitely head over to FantraxHQ.com and read all the stuff there. There are tons of great writers. Our boy Eric is still, of course, there doing a ton of prospect work. So check them out for all sorts of new information and check out Ron's stuff if you're a, if you're a feetball fan, as I suspect some of you might be. That's enough for that. Let's uh, go ahead and dive into some baseball. There's been some interesting stuff going down. I think that's the uh, best way to put that. And it has been anarchy, pure anarchy. I don't care who your team contains. It's been anarchy for you because of COVID-related issues, because of injuries, because of this, that, et cetera. And uh, it's just kind of hard to sift through all the the wackiness. So we're going to start off, though, with a new recall to a prospect that we have loved on the show for quite some time. That 
is Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, of course, with the Braves. He's being called up because of all the issues with the Atlanta Braves rotation, including Soroka being hurt. Hamels hasn't thrown a pitch. Kyle Wright has been really bad. Tuki Tassant the same way. So there's plenty of opportunity for him to stay there. But do you think he could do that, Ron? What kind of player do you think Ian Anderson is? And uh, what's your short-term this season and long-term career outlook? Well, I think he's definitely going to have the opportunity. And it's it's funny how we talk about how great, you know, the, the Braves are drafting this pitching and having this pitching in the minors. But it's not really panning out at the major league level like we thought it would. And I think that's that's kind of an issue going forward. Um, Ian Anderson is the, the third-ranked guy in their, in their system most places that you look. And for a guy to be ranked that high in the Braves system, especially as a pitcher, it says a lot. 22 years old. Uh, and I think the thing that's going to kind of keep him there is the fact that, you know, he's got the fastball, but he's also got the curve and the changeup that don't trail too far behind that fastball. And, you know, one of the things that we always mention with these guys is we talk about control and command, but we also talk about, you know, the fact that do they have the pitch mix to be a starter. And I think his are a little bit closer to that, that fastball than some of the other guys in this system. And I think that's going to give him a little bit more life as far as getting a little bit longer look. Um, I was looking at their their depth chart here, and they've got Freed, Erlen, Tomlin, and then they've got Ian Anderson slotted in as their four. So I think it's just a matter of I don't even think he needs to dominate. I think he just needs to be solid because, like you said, Cole Hamels was their big offseason signing. I think they were hoping to get some decent innings out of him. He has not thrown a pitch yet. And the other guys that they brought up that they've had high, high hopes for haven't really got it done. So I think he's going to get – you know, maybe a start or two. I think he was actually was he supposed to start tonight? Is that right? Tonight, the game yep. got postponed, so we'll get him. He'll get pushed back. But I think he's definitely earned himself a couple of starts just by being there and being available, and by the performance of the rest of those guys that they brought up. Yeah, I'm really excited to see him pitch. He's become kind of a favorite out of that group of youngsters that was in that Atlanta team. Kyle Wright was a favorite, but that sure hasn't panned out. I don't know. I might have to just bail at this point as bad as Wright is. But you talking about, you know, these guys, these young pitching prospects for the Braves that we all thought were going to be amazing, struggling a bit. And I'm like, holy cow, yeah, you're right. The more I think about it, we didn't pull up their current top 10 prospects. This is on MLB.com. So take that as you will. Um, top Pitching prospect listed is now Ian Anderson at number three. He's behind uh, Christian Pache and Drew Waters. Uh, then we've got Bryce Wilson at fifth. I guess he has not uh, crossed the rookie thresholds. That surprises me. But he's been kind of bad, as we've seen. Kyle Muller at seventh. That's a new one. Uh, Tucker Davidson, Jared Schuster at nine and ten. So a lot of these uh, guys, it's just not as exciting as it once was for the Braves. And I think that's part of the problem with having that pitching group. Uh, you know, when I was really starting to get back into baseball, it was the big three out in Oakland with Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, and uh, ooh, I'm blanking on the third guy. But uh, that team was so cool to see those guys. And every single time another trio of prospect has come up for the A's, they've been Tim called – Tim Hudson was the third. They've been called to be that group, the, the big three, and it has not happened yet. And I think that's just because pitching is so volatile, and we're really seeing it here with the Braves. That said, Ian Anderson's pretty darn good. He struggled a bit last year when he hit AAA, but it's just 24 and two-thirds innings. The other 130-something innings in AA were pretty darn good, 112 innings. And that's kind of more in line with what we expect to see. I think the strikeout rate's going to be above a K per inning. He's probably going to walk a few too many people. It'll be interesting to see how the home run rate settles, and that will eventually affect his ERA. But I do think we're going to see, like you said, at least a couple of pretty good starts out of him. And as long as they are pretty good starts, he could really go in that rotation 
for the rest of the season. So I think if you're coming up on a fab bid on him this weekend, if he's still out there, I would be hard-pressed not to spend quite a bit of money on him if I need pitching. What do you think? What, what's your fab bid out of out of 100 you'd shoot at Ian Anderson if you need pitching? Uh, I mean, I mean, you got to do quite a bit. I think if you got a hundred bucks, I don't know, maybe forty dollars, fifty dollars. I was thinking thirty, more forty, than that. and yeah, yeah, seeing where you're at. So I think, I think that's it just kind of depends take. on depends on how desperate you are, too. Yeah, true, and and also what else is available on the wire. But pitching is hard to come by, and I think this is going to be a good one. Let's move on to the trade deadline. That's essentially looming in Major League Baseball and possibly in your fantasy leagues. I know a couple of them. It's the either this Sunday or the Sunday after. Where, words that I have. So let's just talk some overall trade deadline questions. As far as fantasy goes, are you treating this year like any other year as far as your trading goes, or are you less or more likely to make a deal? I mean, I think it depends upon if it's if it's a dynasty league that I'm out of, I might be apt to make a deal as far as maybe something that's going to help me later on. Unfortunately, the majority of my leagues, I'm going to be on the outside looking in. I got one that maybe I might make a little bit of a run at here. But it, 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 I won't be just because of that reason. But if it's something – I have one that I think it's it's top five, go to the playoffs. I think I'm sitting seventh right now. I got a little bit of a shot there. I might kick the tires on a couple of things and, and figure out what it is that I, I want to do. But one of the things that I was hoping I would be able to do, especially – you know, it, when we talk about the dynasty on here is I was hoping to make a little bit of a run in there. I was hoping maybe I could capitalize on the shorter season. That definitely did not happen. But if I had been able to do that, I think you would have seen me making a couple of couple of moves to try to get in, get in that, that top spot there or close to the top. But I, I think you, you know, you have to go for it. Cause like I said, this could be, if you did catch lightning in a bottle and you were able to kind of use some of these prospects that are getting called up and you were able to take advantage of maybe some injuries that another team has that was projected to be really, really good, then you're going to be more apt to maybe go for it. And, and I mean, it may be a 60 game season, but you're still going to win your league. And that's kind of, you know, what, what we're in it for, right? You know, you build these dynasties and you always want the greatest next prospect, but at the same time, you want to win the thing every once in a while. So I think it is a little bit different, but then again, depends upon exactly what your finish is going to be at the end of the season. I think if you're in a redraft league this year, if you're in the top maybe 80%, top 75% of the standings, I think you go all for it because it's such a short, small sample size that you could be that far back. Three players have monster weeks, and you're right back in the thick of things. So I think if it's a standard redraft league, you've got to trade like crazy. You've got to do what you can to try and win. And I think that's going to provide for some anarchy in a lot of leagues. We'll see. As far as dynasty leagues go, I am more likely to trade for the future this season, even if I'm higher up, because I think people will still have the idea of championships a championship, and it is for all purposes. So there are still going to be the top couple of guys that are willing to pay a premium, I believe, even though it's a shortened season, even though blah, blah, blah just because they really, really want to win. So I think that will benefit those of us in lower spots in Dynasty Leagues and in the prestigious Dynasty Dynasty League. You and I are in lower spots. So maybe it's a good opportunity for us to uh, start looking at some trades. And I and I have done so. So uh, I, I think that's essentially the, the gist of how I'm treating trades this year. And essentially the same question to the one I just kind of answered, but we'll get your take is what is the lowest possible level to consider yourself competitive this year? So what spot in the standings it's, are, are, are you saying that you're still in it in a redraft league? 
So, you know, kind of like you said, if you're in that top 80%, I think you go for it. It just, I think it depends upon how many money leagues you have, you know, money spots you have. If you can maybe sneak into that fourth or fifth or sixth spot or whatever it is that pays out, pay your dues for next year, you go for that. You know, like I said, you want to try to win it, but it just kind of depends upon how many points you're out. But also, you know, have you identified exactly what it is your weakness is? Do you need some more homers? Do you need some more steals? And then after you identify what that is, where you think you can improve the most based upon, you know, where you're at, let's say, in the runs category, who's that next person that you can maybe catch? Or maybe you can catch a couple spots in runs. Maybe you can only catch a, a spot in homers or a spot in steals. So it might benefit you more to go for those guys that are going to be run producers. So I think that's what you've got to figure out after that. And then if there's anything available, because, you know, the, some of the things that we need, you know, especially this time of year, you're not just going to go out on waivers to find them. Are you going to have, do you have a team that's kind of toiling at the bottom that might deal you some steals or deal you some runs? So I think that's the next thing that you have to figure out is, okay, I know what I need to do. I know what spot I'm trying to go for. Are there people I can deal with that are actually going to give me the things I need? And I think that if I look at it realistically, if you if it's a roto league and you go look at the categories and you are dead last in two categories by a lot, no matter what your position, well, unless you're in like second place, then you're probably in a lot of trouble. But if you look and you can see that you're seventh place here, eighth place here, whatever, there's ground you can make up everywhere. That's when you go in. So you also have to look at it in a singular category strategy as well. Uh, any particular strategy that you think might be viable more so this year because of all the craziness as compared to other years? I mean, that might be trading your starting staff to go after high strikeout relievers, might be you know, punting home runs at this point. Do you think there's anything you can do that you can get away with this year you normally wouldn't? I think total, you know, you you kind of mentioned it, just totally punting a category. You know, it, if, you know, like you said, if you're, if you struggled at one and you're dead last in it for the entire season, but let's say maybe you have um, a guy that's, that's hit a ton of homers, you know, and you get to that point where you're still, he's your only source of power. Maybe he's the guy that you cough up because you've identified that category that you're kind of in the mix in the middle end, and you can trade those homers that aren't really going to help you anyway for maybe a, a guy or even maybe two guys that are going to get those runs that you need to maybe overtake those next two spots that are going to make a difference. So I think that's probably the thing that I would say is the, the biggest difference because I don't, I don't like to do that in any sport. I don't like to completely punt a category uh, unless I absolutely have to. But at this point, I think it's a little bit, you know, given the circumstances, I think it's a little bit easier to do. We are doing, the, of course, the listener leagues, which have been fun. And it uses innings pitched as a category because we want it to be a little different this year. And I think that's a smart thing to do because of the year. If you're in a league well like that, don't take this to heart. But if you're in a normal standard five by five league, I do think punting starting pitching is a very, very viable way to go, particularly if you've had plenty of innings and good strikeouts and good ERA so far because we're seeing middle relievers get three innings a game who vulture wins. We're seeing, of course, seventh or eighth inning relievers will strike out the side and never give up any runs. I think there's a real strategy to that. So that's that's definitely one I'm going to be taking a look at in my uh, couple of leagues. But ultimately, it's, it just boils down to your individual situation, just like it always does. If you think there's a strategy out there, maybe plot out what you think you can do to actually attain it and, and, and become successful of it, and then start asking the experts. Send uh, Ron or me a tweet, and, and we'll see, and, and crowdsource it. Join us in Slack, because we have a bunch of smart minds in there who can really, really talk to you some great stuff. So keep that in mind. Now let's take a quick break 
When we get back, we'll talk uh, a couple more news items and then play a game of Believe It or Not. Nasty. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. And we're back. I'm Van Lee alongside Ron Rigney. It's real hard not to say uh, Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver when I do that as I'm hosting this one now. But you are not Jeff Zimmerman. You are not Rob Silver. You are Ron Lee, and I am eternally grateful. Nah, I love those guys. Okay, let's go with Trevor Rosenfall. That's everyone's favorite player to discuss now, right now, right? Well, he has pretty much returned to quote-unquote form after injuries or fluky performance in this shortened season. Or, hold on, I reread that wrong way. Hang on, let me back up. Trevor Rosenthal has uh, basically performed pretty well this year, if we want to put it lightly. So we're here to determine whether or not this was him returning to his old form after injuries derailed his career for a bit, or whether or not this is just a fluky performance in a shortened season. So right off the, the bat here, Rob, what do you think of Trevor Rosenthal? Do you think this is uh, he's back to being the flame-throwing closer he once was, or are you a little skeptical? I, I'm not ready to fully buy in just yet, but the biggest problem is no matter what he does, he has looked good. He's probably going to get dealt at some point. You know, he's one of the more valuable pieces they they have on that team that they really didn't invest a whole lot in. So he could be something that really could, you know, get you a few saves right now. But who knows? He could be sent wherever to a contender and be kind of a middle of the middle of the bullpen piece. But I, I think that it's it's one of these things that, you know, he's he's always kind of had that potential. He's always struck a ton of guys out, but he just struggled with that command. He's had a few, you know, few injuries here and there. And I and I think, you know, one I, I'll talk about this quite a bit, but I think I'm you know, I'm one of those guys that I, I believe a lot in change of scenery and I think that that's something that that definitely helped him. You know, he he was had a lot of fanfare coming up with the Cardinals and didn't really pan out and, and then ends up with the Royals is having some success this year, kind of under the radar, a little bit of a low pressure situation, but he does have six saves. You know, he's got striking out almost 12 guys per nine innings. He is almost walking still four guys per nine innings. So it's a little on the high side, but that, that, that fifth kind of scares me a little bit. That fifth sitting at 4.1 with that 1.5 ERA. So is he really as good as, as advertised that? I don't know, but nonetheless, he was a chief source of saves that, uh, you you might have got for nothing off waivers or even you know real late in drafts if it's a deeper league. So I think the biggest risk with him though is if you do have him for saves, I think he's probably going to get traded at some point. 
Yeah, that is very, very true. Now, I brought up Rosenthal. I don't like to talk about every random closer, but I brought up Rosenthal because I think this is an interesting case because there is precedent to be said that, you know, maybe he can come back from his injuries and be a flamethrowing reliever. And largely, he's doing a lot of the things he did when he was successful right now. He's still striking out 11, 12 batters per nine. The, the walks have always been bad. Uh, this is maybe slightly too high. It'd be nice to see him get those down a bit. So there's reason to think that, yeah, he's back. This is what he can do. On the other hand, uh, the other ERA estimators, aside from Sierra, as you mentioned, the FIP at 410, XFIP at least at 355, think that he's been far worse than, of course, the 159 ERA has. There's that. Honestly, even in his best seasons, too, he had BABIPs around 330-ish. So the fact that he's at a 227 mark right now, with that going up, that could really up the ERA. I don't know where the plateau could be, though. That's going to be the big question. And then finally, that 1.59 home run per nine really shows he's giving up a lot of home runs. Small sample size. We'll see if that continues. But if he's doing that and he allows a, a few more balls in play, which means hits go up a little bit, suddenly the ERA goes way up. So I'm inclined to say I don't believe this. But what I will say is if it's true... I think there's a chance he keeps getting saves for like the next 10 years because he was a, a household name as one of those elite flamethrower closer guys who struggle for a few years because of injuries. And if he can be decent, he could do a Greg Holland thing where every year someone signs him and he ends up getting saves. So I think it's important to talk about him in that regard. If you own him, maybe in a keeper league, he might be worth a stash just because even if he does get traded away to a team that won't use him as a closer, A, he'll still get strikeouts, but B, I think he'll get an opportunity to close again somewhere else. Moving on, let's talk, oh boy, about the Indians. So, obviously, a few weeks ago, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak got into a bit of trouble because they went and partied. They did not follow the uh, protocol for the pandemic. It was a whole disaster. They sent them down, optioned them to the minors. They had to release apology videos that were kind of half-assed. It was a whole to-do. Well, the Indians basically said two weeks or whatever is punishment enough they're going to call him up for a Wednesday start this week. So, Rob, Ron, do you think this is really bad precedent that the Indians are setting? Or do you think that, hey, he's done his time. Let's let's go ahead and get him back out there to play because it's good for baseball. I mean, it's it, it's kind of like anything else. You know, we're, we're dealing with so many different variables that we've never dealt with before. And, of course, there's not really any protocol out there saying what you do or don't do in this situation. So I think they're just kind of doing what they think is best. I mean, I, you know, one side of me wants to say that, you know, you, you, you got to commend him, I guess, maybe for standing up for his teammate. But at the same time, as you're sitting there lying through your teeth, knowing exactly you were doing the same thing, uh, is two weeks enough? I don't know. I mean, that's maybe what he probably missed, maybe one start, maybe two in there, depending upon how the schedule fell. So uh, needless to say, I, I don't think – I mean, I know it's kind of a half-assed answer, but I really don't know, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I see both sides of it. I see that, you know, you, you, you're a jackass and you, you were sitting there lying to your team and you could potentially have tanked your whole team season with maybe a Marlins-type outbreak. But at the same time, you know, they're they're trying to be in it. They're trying to, to, to be there at the end of the season. I, I, and, and is it good for baseball? I guess so. But I don't know. You know, when, you, when you're out doing something that you know you're not supposed to be doing and you're endangering all of your teammates – is two weeks enough? I don't know. I will keep my rant short, but in my opinion, no, it's not enough. I think both of the guys should have been suspended for the whole season. And the big turning point for me in this 
was remembering that Carlos Carrasco is on this team. This is a guy who just returned from cancer. If he gets this 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 uh, virus, he could just die on the yeah, spot. It's, it's Terry Francona is dealing with a really bad sickness right now. That's the manager. He hasn't managed for four days. I don't know if he's uh, more susceptible to COVID because of his issue, but he could be, would be the stance of that. And I think this is a sports being sports kind of thing. And in the past, my big complaint has been guys like Matt Bush, who nearly kill a person. And I believe he spent time in jail, do terrible things. Addison Russell doing the horrible, horrible stuff with his ex-wife. These guys get chances again and again. And I don't like it because I think that Major League Baseball players are the 1% of people in their field. They're the best, hands down, without question, the best. And it's a tough market to, to get into. So why don't we expect more? out of them it's like when people get about oh he's a celebrity i'll give him a pass i disagree great he's a good actor whatever all but you're given the opportunity to be in a position that pays you well and is something you love or whatever you got to do everything in your power to to be good now it doesn't mean he should be out of baseball in the, in the case of clevenger but i think they should have suspended him in police act for the year made an example and then moved on from it in major league baseball and everyone would go okay this is a big deal we're treating this seriously because there's been a big question as to whether or not they have been treating it seriously, even though we are we are still playing, and I didn't think we would be. So that's essentially my response to that. Uh, I think it's a showcase. Maybe they trade him, but I'm not sure. But I think at the very least, this is a showcase to see how he does and maybe if there is a market for him, which is also why they kept Police Act, because I think they decided, well, we've got him a few more years, and he's going to cost nothing. Maybe he really is as good as he was early on, so we'll see. Okay, let's and, move and on. I also read a couple places too that they maybe were looking to deal him for a bat as well, please sack. So we'll see. That's that true. Could be Which it. they could use. Yeah, that could have been a ticket out of town. And they're a good team. They're winning. They're in in the playoff hunt right now. So it's not surprising they did what they did. Let's move to the Washington Nationals and their ace, Steven Strasburg. He has been diagnosed with carpal tunnel syndrome and will undergo surgery to correct the issue here within a week or so. Uh, Rob, is this son of a bitch? We're gonna do this now, aren't we? Ron, is maybe this? I to, maybe I need to change my name. I'll change my name to something else. Can I call you Ronald? Go with that. Sure. Yeah. Or I'll call you Robald. That'll be Robald. <laughs> uh, no, Steven Strasburg. Uh, is this this thing that he's dealing with? Do you think this is a long term issue? Do you think he should really have the the injury bug attached to him? Or is this not something you'll be bothered with and, and we'll be looking at him next year? I, I think that th- this is finally – I think I texted you guys this the other day too. This is finally the year – you know, the uh, previous years I'd get to a, I'd get to a draft and I'd see Steven Strasburg sitting there and I, and I would take whatever pitcher was just right in that same proximity and that's who I'd go with every time and I'd feel good about it. And most of the time it was the right move. Coming off the World Series, coming off the World Series MVP, you know, all the success he's had last year. He's been pretty durable the last couple of years. This was the year I got sucked in. And, of course, this is the year I get sucked in. This is the year that this happens and I get absolutely nothing out of him. So I think this is going to be the end of me messing with Steven Strasburg. I don't have, I only had one share of him in a dynasty league, and I think I dealt him maybe two or three years ago. I've had him for a while. But I think that you have to you have to put that label on him just because it's always something with him. It's always There's always some sort of back or shoulder or – you know what? This is carpal tunnel. I mean, I don't know if this is something that recurs and he has issues with, but he, you know, he, we're going to talk about a, a, another guy that's kind of starting to get this label in the other show. And I think that you have to put that label on him because it's always something. These guys that have these different 
injuries. Yeah, they might be kind of fluky at some t- at some point if they're not always related to the same muscle group or the same part of the body. But he's always missing time with something, and I don't think I can invest in him anymore and feel good about it. If you go back and listen to the uh, live draft episode for our uh, uh, podcast league this year, I took Strasburg and uh, Lucas Giolito, and my reasoning was is I want to get that elite pitching fast because I want to be able to count on it. And I mean, yes, uh, pitching, particularly Strasburg pitching, has always been questionable, but here we are. And this is the only time I've ever owned Strasburg. I am actually inclined to say I'm not worried simply because I don't think this carpal tunnel thing is going to be an issue. I've never had it, but my uncle had it, and he chose to get both wrists done at the same time. And it was uh, a horrible recovery period because he couldn't do anything. He didn't have any hands. But once he was past the recovery period, he was fine. He was a thousand times better. I don't think that will be the problem. I think the problem going in next year will be lack of innings again. And uh, I I do think some people will think this is going to be a recurring issue. So I might be in on him going into next year. I need to see where he's at. But ultimately, you're right. This is a guy that it just kind of happens to. And yeah, he's put up innings over the last couple of years, but it was 175 in 2017, down to 130 in 2018, up to 209 last year. So it's not like he's doing Jose Quintana things where he's throwing 200 innings a year. So we'll see. In well, short, to, to, I like him, to, but I'm not sure. To cheer you up, though, you did say you took Giolito. Giolito has no hit the Pirates through seven innings at this point, so we'll see where that goes in the next two innings. That a boy. Yeah, he's been there a little go. better the last couple of starts. A little bit, a little bit. All right, that's going to do it for the news and notes section of the show. And now it is time to play a little game called Believe It or Not. Believe it or not, I'm walking nasty there you go believe it or not it's just nasty that's a drop that i forgot i had made i was like well we're gonna play a game tonight with that so believe it or not really isn't a game we're just going to look at some players who've been performing either really really well or really really badly actually i think i did all really really well today and just discuss whether or not we believe it whether we think that's going to continue if you think there's a huge value shift or it's fluky so you can't start anywhere else other than on the giants because they have the number one player in baseball as far as war, Mike Yastrzemski. Yes, he has that famous name, but uh, never really had the prospect pedigree. He's a little bit older so far this year, slashing 309, 429, 645, has seven homers and one stolen base. So, uh, Ron, tell me, I got the name right. What do you think of Mike Yastrzemski? Uh, I mean, I think you have to believe it to a certain extent. You know, he had a pretty lengthy uh, you know, call up last year, you know, 107 games, 411 play appearances. And we talked about him, I think, in the offseason, too. And with a pretty respectable slash for a guy that's, like you said, an older prospect that kind of came out of nowhere. 272, 334, 518 is what he ended the season with. Over 30 games this year, even better, 309, 429, 645, like you said. So I, I think it's a matter of you might see the average dip a little bit. But then again, you know, we have to keep, kind of keep telling ourselves these guys don't have to keep this up for as long and count it as a great season. You know, we've talked about, you know, they mentioned Charlie Blackman hitting over 400. The only, and, I, and I say only, not that it's an easy thing to do. But when you compare 60 games to 162 games, you, you could see some really, really inflated 
slash lines. Now, obviously, you know the the, the power numbers are going to be down a little bit just because there's less games, but still seven homers through that thirty that thirty game sample. And he's I think the thing that sticks out the most for me he's got sport of three sixty five Babbitt. You're going to see that come down a little bit, but also he's walking seventeen percent of the time, which is huge, and that's up ten percent from what he did last year. And the strikeout rate's down five percent. So, you know, if if if, if he is going to keep that average and that OBP up a little bit. If he can continue those trends, I'll kind of walk back what I said a little bit. If he can keep those two things up, you'll see that average and that OBP stay pretty high. Now, next season, if we do have a full 162 games, which I'm hoping we do by then, I want to see where he's at then. But right now, if you think about it, you know, you look at the, the sample size here, he's only at 137 games over the last two seasons. You'd have to add them add together there. But pretty impressive overall for a guy that you paid nothing for, for a guy that came out of nowhere. And, you know, just kind of one of those guys that in a fluky season is, is one of those names that's kind of popping up and helping you. I buy it pretty much 100%, maybe a little less than that. I think he's just kind of started tapping into what he potentially has. I, that doesn't mean I think he's going to be a four-year target in a dynasty league, but I do think we're going to see two, three years here of him bringing a pretty darn good hitter. And largely what he did last year, which was a big step forward, when he hit 272 with 21 home runs, he's doing the same thing. He's still having the same exit velocities. It's actually down a little bit this year, which is interesting. The hard hit, medium, and soft percentage is about the same with a slight change upward in a hard percentage, but not you know 5%, not a ton. Still pulling the ball 43% of the time. Everything seems about the same. So then the question becomes, well, should last year have been better or is this year a little bit too much? BABIP, like you said, 365 little bit too much but he has changed his approach and he's walking double what he was walking last year 17.3 percent walk percentage so he's seeing the ball better and because of that walk percentage that means he's hitting better pitches he's only swinging when he gets stuff in the zone and the numbers are up across the board i think he'll continue at this rate although i'll say he's a 280 hitter with a 360 bad uh uh OBP, which is pretty damn good because I think he's going to hit for plenty of power. It's probably showed a little more power than he has at this point, but we'll see. I think he could be a nice source of 25-plus home runs, decent batting average, good OBP, and just a solid option. The only thing I'm curious about is he's right up there as far as runs and RBI, and the Giants are not a good team. They're playing well right now, but I think those runs and RBI fall off a little bit, which is unfortunate, but I do think everything else will still be there. So thumbs up for me, for Mike Yastrzemski. Okay, let's move on to the next guy, and it's one of your boys, and I never remember which way to pronounce the last name. Brandon Lowe? Is that right? I believe it's Brandon Lau. Brandon Lau, Nate Lowe. I can never remember. See, I'm a a fan, and I can't even keep it straight, because then there's another (laughs) one. They have another guy that's that's low in in the minors, too, so who knows? Of course. So Brandon Lau is hitting 304, 398, 678 with nine homers. So what a season. So have you seen much of Lau this year? Have you watched how he's playing? Do you buy it? I I do because the, the strikeouts have come way down, and that's the first thing that jumps off the page at you. And that's one of the things I think we talked about him, you know, in the offseason. And I think that's one of the big things that we all said, you know, is, is his biggest, you know, biggest area that he needs to improve. Struck out 35% of the time last year, only walked 7.5%. Got that all the way down to twenty three percent, and when you when you do get to watch him, he is way more patient at the plate. He does take more pitches. He waits for you know something good to hit, and and he's just he he's been able to just kind of pick his spots too, and just put the ball where it exactly needs to go. And he's also come up with some really timely hits as well. But yeah, we we kind of figured that power would be there, but 
you know, I, I don't think that we all anticipated the strikeout rate coming down. It's kind of like what I talked about with Yastrzemski, that strikeout rate has come down so much, and he started to walk a little bit more as well. And I think that he's kind of buying into that, you know, that race style of play, you know, getting on base and, you know, making things happen from there. But he's been really, really fun to watch at this point. And dare I say it, MVP candidate at this point. MVP candidate, yeah. I I buy it largely. I think uh, this is just one where I need to see a little bit more. He's felt like he's, in my mind, been a guy who just won't put up 600 plate appearances. Like if he plays 450 plate appearances, they'll be pretty good, but he just won't put them up. So if he does that, number one, that makes him immensely more valuable. And he's on pace to do it. Of course, he's playing pretty much every day. But then number two, can those strikeouts continue to be decent because this is essentially the lowest level he's really had in his career. He had a couple of spots in the minors where it was about at this rate. So it's happened, but 34.6% strikeout rate last year and 330 plate appearances. It's really bad. So if he can keep it between 22 and 27, 28%, there's plenty of value to be had here. So at this point, I'm inclined to believe that he's going to continue. I'm a little skeptical of the batting average, but Overall, uh, he's putting everything together and doing a jo- good job. And he's, what, 26? So he's still young, so he's in the prime of his career. Uh, Babip's not even that bad, 333. We'll see going forward, but I do like him overall. Next up's another player I really like. That's Ian Happ. I like him because I have him on a Dynasty League team, the prestigious Dynasty Dynasty League baseball team. Traded for him last year, 276, 411, 575. He has six homers and one stolen base. That doesn't jump out to you as much as the other guy's numbers, but still pretty darn good for a guy who's been sent down and couldn't not strike out and has struggled quite a bit in his young career. So what do you think? Has he turned the corner, or is this just the uh, good flash that we could see out of him? Well, yet again, it's, you know, we, we talked about the amount of, the amount of strikeouts and just, you know, he, and he's steadily improved. He was a little bit better in 2019. But yet again, another guy that's made this 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 jump with the walk rate. He's almost doubled his walk rate from last year, from nine point six to seventeen point six. And I and I know that, and I hate to keep harping on that, but that's something that you always talk about, man. I know it's it's big when you're looking at drafts. You like guys to take a walk, and this kind of illustrates how important it is for their overall numbers. And that maybe not just you know even their OBP, but you know might help them out in other areas. But I think it's it's cool to see you know like you said, just because he's had so many chances, he's he got he's got called up and sent back down. But also too, I, I think you got to you got to give credit to the Cubs here. I I didn't anticipate the Cubs to be this good and, and be this good, especially you know with with both starting pitching and offensively. And they're sitting there at the top of the division. They've got a three game lead over St. Louis right now, and he's he's been a part of that. And you know they've been you know hitting had that hot hitting all season. So I, I think it's something that I, I I think that maybe you see the walk rate come down a little bit. I think that the twenty five percent strikeouts are always what he's going to be. But he's got to keep that walk rate at least in the double digits to have something, you know, something kind of salvageable as far as an OBP. But that 411 OBP, if he can keep that up, that's going to be huge as far as, um, you know, where his eligibility is at, especially, you know, if you can get that from from a guy that has that, you know, and he, I don't know if he still has that dual eligibility in, in leagues. I don't, I think he's kind of lost that infield eligibility, but nonetheless, six homers, 28 games. I, we know the power's there. We just want to see that walk rate continue. Completely agree. And strikeout rate at 24.1% needs to be right there. If it gets too much higher than that, it's not going to work out. The average will come down a bit. He's not a 280 hitter, but you know, 240, 250 is within range. And in this day and age, that's not that bad. Again, plenty of power there. The wacky kind of thing here, 
that I could construe either <laughs> that he's succeeding because of it or he'll struggle because of it is all of his offensive swing numbers are just messed up compared compared to his career is uh for example swing percentage is way down 37.8% of the time usually he's around 45 49% of the time so he's just swinging less which okay that means the OBP or yeah the OBP goes up cuz he's taking a few more walks but maybe then he's not getting as many to hit well O contact percentage, which is contact percentage in the or Z contact percentage, contact in the zone, it's actually down. So he's not hitting pitches that are in the zone as well. Contact percentage overall is down, 64% versus 71% last year. So it's just a funky series of events here and definitely a small sample size. I believe because I've always believed, but I do think that oh, a month from now, if we look back at his stats and they look like Ian Happ numbers from years past, that wouldn't surprise me. But Good pedigree, just 26 years old, and he's doing all the right things he, he needs to do. So, fine. I, I agree with it. Next up, we have a Blue Jay, Teoscar Hernandez, who's hitting 294, 336, 637 with 10 homers and four stolen bases. Now, Hernandez has been a quasi-prospect for a while, a guy that, hey, maybe he could hit well, but then he struggled over the last several years. He can't play defense because he's just terrible at that. But do you believe that the offensive game is really turning around for him and he can continue hitting like this, or will we see a bit of a, a dive before long? Well, I mean, we know the the pop is there. I mean, he's had a couple of 20-homer seasons the last couple of years, but I think of all the guys on this list, he is the least believable and I think he's the one that is the biggest sham on the list. And, you know, everything I've talked about with the walk rate of all these other guys, his has actually come down 3% with his strikeout rate staying about the same. And the, the next thing I look at is that Babib sitting at 328. He was at 293 last year. So I think that's helping him out quite a bit and, and you know, inflating those numbers just a little bit. It's nice to see those four stolen bases, though, because he only had six in 125 games last year. He's already got four in 27 games. So that's kind of an added little bonus there that you may not have thought you were going to get if you have Teoscar. But I think it's something where you're going to you're going to start to see as, as it goes on a little bit. I think you're going to see that average and that OBP fall a little bit. And, and I don't think it's necessarily – he may not hit 230 again like he did last year, but I don't think that he's going to stay at 294 for much longer. That bad bib is not going to stay there. If he's not walking, that's going to definitely come back to hurt him. Definitely agree. I think this is the biggest indicator of small sample size that we've seen. And in a couple of ways, it's real because, like you said, the power is there. It's nice to see the extra stolen bases. And largely, the batting average in OBP is about where it should be, but 30 or 40 points higher than what it will be. So I think if you bought Teoscar Hernandez expecting the 2019 season, where he had 26 homers and hit 230, that's what you should expect going forward and just be grateful you got the hot streak that you just got. Now, he did drop the strikeout rate down to 29.1%. Still too high, which is why I also don't believe it's necessarily real. It's not like uh, Lau or Hap uh, who dropped at you know, 5 6 7% and have made adjustments. He's doing the same thing he always has, and it's just had a good streak. So completely agree with you there on Teoscar Hernandez. Let's talk a couple of pitchers here. One I'm going to take a bit of a victory lap on, and that is, of course, you, Darvish, who as of recording has thrown 37 innings, has a 1.7 ERA, .92 whip, 10.7 K per nine, and a 1.46 walks per nine. Uh, I'll talk about him first. I believe I labeled him as a target supreme uh, in the preseason, which uh, was kind of a big deal because I don't traditionally do that with pitchers. But I believed that second half of last year was so good. He looked healthy. He got back to doing the things he did when he was younger, and I expected them to continue. And this year, they certainly are. 
probably walking fewer than he traditionally will. But I do think last year's 2.82 mark is maybe a little high. So maybe he can walk two, two and a half batters per nine. And that's fine. Striking out a few less batters this year. But that's just noise. The ERA, the estimators, they all say he's really good. I completely believe it. He's back to being an ace now. Had all those injuries, of course. He's 34 years old. Maybe we don't get seven more years of this, but I do think this next two to three year period is going to be really good for you, Darvish. What do you think, Ron? I, I think you're right. And it's just a matter of him not getting hurt. And, you know, it's good to hear. It's good to see him having a season. I know we've only, you know, he's only gone 37 innings so far, but it's good to not hear him having any kind of issues whatsoever and it being smooth from a health standpoint. And, you know, we just kind of talked about the Cubs with Ian Happ. Five of those wins are you Darvish starts. So that's, that's something to be said right there. So, I, I like the fact that the FIP is not high like it was last year. You know, you said he was real good in the second half. When you look at the overall body of work, FIP had him at over four. He's a 2.11 this year, and, the, and it's very, very close to that 1.7 ERA. So it's cool to see. I don't have him anywhere. He was not a target of mine. Of course, this is the year that I am all in on Steven Strasburg. I'm not in on you, Darvish. And then you see where that gets me. Of course. All right, last player on the list. This one's a little less exciting than you, Darvish. It is Merrill Kelly, of course, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He has wandered into the rotation and put up 31 and a third innings pitched, 259 ERA, .99 whip, 8.33 K per nine, and 1.44 walks per nine. You can take the ball here and tell us if you think this Merrill Kelly, uh, Kelly start to the season is uh, real, or do you think it's fake? Do you believe it or not? Uh, I mean, it's 30 innings, so it's a decent sample size. But the the thing that concerns me the most is he's sitting there with a 92% strand rate. Obviously, that is not going to sustain itself, which that is pretty good through 31 and uh, third innings. He doesn't strike a bunch of guys. He doesn't strike anybody out. Then we kind of knew that going in. But and he's also allowing almost a homer and a half per game. So that's a little bit concerning that, that that's going on. The, the fifth's a little bit, you know, almost uh, running a half higher than the ERA. So it kind of looks like a little bit of a sham. I'm not going to say he's more, he's a Teoscar Hernandez kind of a uh, uh, scam artist here, but I think he's, he's pretty close. I don't necessarily think that this is going to be sustainable. I buy it in some regards. I do think he's gotten better because he was uh, obviously pretty atrocious uh, last year when he had the four, four, two ERA, but he did put up 183 innings. So ultimately I think, I think he could squeak below a four ERA, or I think it'll be right about there. And in this day and age, that's pretty good. What I do believe is he's mixed up his uh, pitch mix just a little bit. He's dropped the straight fastball usage, added uh, a little bit more usage to the cutter, curveball, basically just done slight adjustments that ha- have paid off. I don't necessarily think it's too fluky. Could be that he's facing you know slightly less competition because this year not everybody's playing. But I do think uh, if you look at that FIP of 393, that's pretty legit. And I think if you were looking for a guy who can put up a bunch of innings and not kill you in ratios, this is the guy. And certainly with that whip right now at 0.99, that's going to help you a lot too. So totally fine with him kind of being what he is, which is a guy. I don't think he's any more than that, but I do think he's at least elevated his status to, I can probably start him against just about everyone. Maybe not against the Yankees, maybe not against so-and-so team, but for the most part, I think you can start him and let him go because he'll be more than fine. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Nasty Cast. I don't think I listed the episode. Episode 237 is where we're at. I want to thank Ron for joining me. Anything else before we get out of here, Ron? Make those trades, kids. Figure out where you're at in those standings and get after it if you've got a chance to get some money. 
Indeed. And continue sticking around for the Nasty Cast. We'll be back as we go along. And uh, we're, we're really happy to have you alongside with us to do this. Of course, join the Slack channel if you donate on Patreon. You can find us on Twitter, uh, again, at NastyCastPod, at ManlyVanly, and at TheRealMade. Just get in touch with us. We'll answer whatever questions we can. And we appreciate everything. So, got to remember what the line is. Until next time, may the fantasy gods shine upon you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.